Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And you're listening to the first ever Oh No, Ross and Carrie special. <gasps> it's a special. Christmas special. Oh, uh, it's not, though. Oh. Uh, it's All right. July. Uh, in this one, we'll meet one of our favorite people, our theme music composer, our favorite foreman, that's former Mormon, an award-winning composer, director, writer, and editor, and the writer and star of the popular web series, Mr. Deity, Brian Keith Dalton. That's right. We'll attack Brian with probing questions and compliments and ask him some questions from our listeners. In our spirit of hands-on investigations and showing up, we have shown up on your doorstep. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you don't know Brian's show, Mr. Deity... I never noticed that you say Mr. Deity instead of Deity. I switch it up, actually. I like, I like Deity. All my, all my British friends say Deity. Mr. Deity. Say it yeah. sounds fantastic. Okay. We're going British today. But whatever. Thank okay. you. Yeah. And, and it's funny. So, Brian Dalton, welcome to your number one favorite podcast. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. Thank you. Is this your fifth show? Sixth show? Six. Sixth show? And you're still reading off the cue cards, it's the a intro? Lucky number. Come on. What the hell? <laughs> it's different each Jeez, time. Louise. All right, go We're ahead. Professionals. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I said welcome. All right, yes. Are you happy to yes, be here? I, or I'm, what? Th I'm thrilled. I'm just I'm just grateful it's not a uh, it's not a video podcast. Why is that? Because my hair is insane today. Oh. It's my hair is too long and it's gotten to that point where I'm sure you guys experience this where the one side of your head is fighting the other. It's like one side oh. is Protestant, one side is Catholic, <laughs> and each one is trying to claim ground. No, you can for see itself. I'm doing the same thing. This is actually the longest okay. my hair has ever been. And when it goes over the ears, that's annoying. I'm feeling comfortable with my hair right now. And I'm a little bummed that I couldn't use my big microphone. Can I just tell you that right um, now? Because can, it's close by. You can, I need can my just hold it But it doesn't plug into your system here. Like a, like a safety Because the big microphone, I can get real close on it, and I sound like oh. I have some bass to my voice. Yeah. I don't sound like a woman. Because right, well, I sound like a woman all the time. We can do that in things. post. You don't yeah, put, like put, bring down a lot of... I do. You know what? I'm on the phone all the time. Uh -huh. I'm talking to people, and I've told them my name is Brian, and yeah. I'm talking to them about my wife, and they go, yes, just hold on a moment, ma'am. <laughs> oh, no <laughs> I get that all the time. Oh, I'm not kidding. It's horrible. Oh, so I've just come to laugh at it. Amy thinks it's the funniest freaking thing say, in the world. She say, laughs out loud aw. for five minutes. Say something time. distinctly feminine. Like something about periods. I, I need to find a place that has some pads. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't, yeah, um, but I am looking I at you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. The, I have well, to I say, look so incredibly masculine. Right. That's the thing. Touche. Yeah, the if you're if up. you're looking at me, you could go, "Oh my God, this guy's a hunk." But right. you know, when you're when you're just hearing me, you're thinking, "Oh Jesus." So it's a good thing you do a video podcast. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. I have to say though, I've seen you many times. I don't notice a difference in your hair right now. Really? Yeah. It's just, it's just like, see this split right here? Mm -hmm. This is just, if I try around. to, I usually part it here and then it comes over. And if I try to do that right now, th there will be a war you like you, you have never seen. You it will be apocalyptic. This, yeah. It'll be apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I can do that too. Yeah. Ross is just messing his hair and then making a stupid face. The, half of my hair will, be, <laughs> half of my hair will be taken up, you know, like the, like the, like the, uh, Thessalonians. Yeah, like, like in Thessalonians. <laughs> well, um, speaking of your haircut. Yes. You're a former Mormon. I am a foreman. And we're Mormons. 
Yeah, <laughs> you are. You are now. You don't like segue. my segue? <laughs> you you grew up in the church. What do you think of Ross and I becoming Mormons? I well, I think if you plan to stay Mormons, you're insane. To, even if we uh, don't the, believe. Even if you well, especially if you don't believe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're particularly insane if you stay and you don't believe. But uh, I don't. I don't know. I just don't know who can believe that kind of stuff. It's just. Uh, it's just craziness. I mean, it's it's this it's it's a it's a quarter inch short of moving into Scientology territory. So it's pretty did wild. you never believe it? No, I believed it hook, line, and sinker. But I was, you were I was raised crazy. in it. I was raised in it. Yeah. So and, and I you think that's the only excusable reason. That's the believe. only excusable reason. Yeah, you can have. And uh, you know, for me, if you're not if you're not really suspicious of it by the time you're 25, even if you've been raised in it, you're 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 doing something wrong. Hmm. That's mm. my feeling. Yeah, you know, now that I think of it, the church does slant pretty young. Like the, it seems like people have left by the time they're in the mid twenties. Like, if they're going to right. leave. Well, and the strategy is to have as many babies as possible as quickly as possible. Sure. And Absolutely. So you can, you know, have a little bit of attrition there and still have a sizable number of Mormons. Right. It's it's converting the world through the shunning of birth control. Basically, <laughs> right. that's their program. Oh, you know, actually, I asked them about birth control, and maybe our missionaries were super cool, but they were like, we don't care about it. Well, of course they don't. They've as... made a two-year commitment not to get it. <laughs> well, that's brave. Right. That's but I, they don't want anyone to have fun. But I, or... but I specifically asked them, like, I don't want to have kids. Is that okay? And they said, yeah. And then I said, so birth control's okay? And they said, yeah. Hmm. Well, a lot yeah. of, you know, it's, it's like a lot of uh, Catholics. I mean, there's prescriptions that come from on high, and then the people who actually just ignore them so yeah a, a lot of a lot of representatives of the church yeah but they're young kids they don't know they don't know what they're talking but you think about. if you talk to the actual <laughs> I, yeah if you talk to somebody Revelator. they're not against birth control i mean you can you can have birth control but they do want you to just pump out the kids like nobody's right. business but there at least is some kind of you know there is some kind of responsibility about it they don't want you to be having kids that you can't afford and that kind of thing in that regard they're very you know like fiscal conservatives mm. um with the exception of the past administration. My sister's that way. If I get pregnant, God wills it, and that's her form of birth control. Right, right. And that's why that's why Jews went into the ovens, because God willed it. That's what that's the way it works. Right. If you God wills everything out, that happens. If you take yes. it out to its logical sure. conclusion, yeah, yeah, you get that kind yeah. of monstrosity. We were we were at a place the other night where some guy, Amy's car, uh, wouldn't start the battery. Had, had, Your wife, Amy. Yeah, my wife, Amy. Mm -hmm. And a guy next to us happened to have some jumper cables and he said you know i waited 20 minutes for this spot so you just so you know everything happens for a reason and i was so close to going to the whole <laughs> holocaust thing really so you think six million jews died really you do got to take them oh, through that God. median step yeah. i think before you yeah. go to the holocaust yeah. so families were driver. wiped out children had blue dye injected to their eyes and there was a good reason for that and he's I, just I get standing there holding from. his jumper yeah. cables what? yeah well, I'm writing that scene up for a movie. So, uh, speaking of mass murder, on the way you here, guys are good on the segues. I like <laughs> that. So, on the way here, we were talking about your name, Brian Keith Dalton. Oh you, yeah, you go with the middle name, and I was oh, saying yeah. how normally, you know, John Wilkes Booth. It's the killers who sure. use all three names, sure. just so you don't get confused with Brian James Dalton. But I assume because you're an actor. Or? I had one reason that I did it. Hollywood is so nepotistic that I was hoping that somebody would think that I am the son of Brian Keith, the actor. Brian Keith. Oh. And say, hey, who's this? Is this Brian Keith's son? Let's bring him in. Let's see. Let's give him a big... <laughs> it hasn't worked. It just didn't work at all. My sister named me after that actor, Brian Keith, because she was... Um, she's the one wow. who prayed for me to come. My mom was really old when I was born. I was, she was 45. Oh, wow. And my sister had been praying for a brother or sister, not in that order. <laughs> and um, they said, okay, well, you name the kid. And she named me... Brian Keith Dalton after after the actor Brian Keith, which I, I always say is fortunate considering I could have been named 
um, Jody or Mr. French. You know, that those, would not, the, those were the other yeah, options. Yeah, basically. If you're a fan of the Family Affair show. You guys are probably too young for that. No, sorry. We're just not know Buffy and Jody and Mr. French. Okay. Older folks, you know, write in. Tell, tell, tell them how much you love that joke. Send us YouTube I've been links. working on it. So you left the church. How did you dislodge from Mormonism? And we asked because we want to know. We're currently embedded. I dislodged the, the like the official way that I dislodged. Is um, that what you're wondering no, about? No, I mean, what led me what to dislodge? Led you to? And then well, tell us though. It was tell kind of a process. long process. I mean, a lot of it was just learning to examine evidence. I kind of got, you know, I mean, you've been through it, right? The way you find out the truth in Mormonism is that you get down on your knees and you pray, and God causes a burning right. in your bosom, and you feel good about it, and you know that it's right by the way you feel. Right. Well, you know, if you're a thinking person, by the time you hit eighteen, twenty, twenty-one. You realize that your heart is just the crappiest, you know, conductor for <laughs> truth and, and value and all of that stuff because you've made so many bad decisions by that mm. point based on your heart. Yeah. And so I became skeptical of the whole, that whole kind of methodology of finding out what's true and right and good. And uh, fortunately, at the time, I was very into Mormonism, and they had another way to do it, and that was evidence because they had all these great books, mm-hmm. you know, about the Nagamati. Uh, Codex and the and uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls that were proving Joseph Smith's prophetic vision right. and all this stuff. Um, the problem is if you actually so kind of okay evidence I can go with that that works mm-hmm. good. But if you actually start looking into that stuff, it really breaks down quickly. But I liked the notion that evidence is is a way to go. I felt that was more reliable than than down on my knees feeling what my heart feels. So here they were tacitly encouraging evidence. Every religion does. To the extent that they think they have evidence, they push it and right. they prefer it. They prefer it in every instance. Right. Mm-hmm. So if that's they... the stuff they're going to really bring on. But then they say, oh, but you know, if it doesn't go quite all the way, that's where you need faith. <laughs> I started researching some of this stuff and then I got a little more into it and then I learned a little more about critical thinking and how to assess evidence. And you know, at that time, this was the early 90s, A lot of stuff was going on, particularly regarding the DNA. And as you know, Mormons, it's a a very, I mean, it's the central claim of the Book of Mormon that the Native Americans are Hebrews. And by Mm -hmm. 93, it was over. It was a done deal. Actually, by about 91. Hmm. The DNA had been sampled pretty much, you know, both continents all the way through. And there was no evidence that the, that the, that the Native Americans were Hebrews. And that was, that was kind of like my, Okay, but I still couldn't get out of it because it's very, you know, when you're raised in it, it's your whole life because it's a very totalitarian religion. They don't have any paid clergy, so you're always doing something Mm -hmm. in the church. And, you know, there are meetings all throughout the week and you're connected doing this and doing that. And you're part of the priesthood if you're, you know, if you're a 12-year-old man or male, I should say, and up. You're connected. You're hooked in. So, so I knew gets... I was going to I knew I was going to lose a lot of friends and all of that kind of stuff and the final straw for me came two things happened one I had I had mentioned this article to my home teacher who was a good friend of mine who came by about chastity and how crazy Mormons were about chastity and some of the stupid things that they'd said over the years and he tried to defend it and it turned into an ugly ugly heated thing where I just really told off some people big time. Really? And was <laughs> because it every... of chastity? Be- because of some of the things that they'd said, particularly one quote about how there was a very strong implication. I can get it and read it for you if you need it because I have it. I'm working on my book on Mormonism right now about how a woman is possibly complicit and loses virtue in in rape, in uh... forced incidences. Oh, yuck. Um, yeah. And that's what got the, the meeting going. And it was a 
big brouhaha. I, I bet. L- yeah. I left thinking, okay, that's no big whoop, it'll boil over. I never got back. That was my mm. last time in a Mormon church mm. as a Mormon. But it- the big thing was there was an article by Levina Fielding Anderson talking about spiritual abuse by, by the church leadership of intellectuals and historians and feminists mm-hmm. within the church. And, and then uh, there was this big excommunication in September of 92. The September 6th is what they're called, and they got mm-hmm. excommunicated, and that was it for me. That was a Galileo moment. They were excommunicating a histor- an historian, um, D. Michael Quinn, who was Mormon, Mormonism's best historian. And for me, it you know, if you're a historian— you just show them where they're wrong. Yeah, Here's where you're right. wrong. Here, we'll show you documents. Show. Well, they couldn't do that, so they just excommunicated him. And that was right. such a Galileo moment yeah. for me. Yeah. I was like, Night of the Long ya. Knives kind yeah. of thing. We'll see you. Is it called September 6th? Six, it's they're referred to as the September six. There were six oh, people six who got major excommunicated. Remember, like, remember the sixth of September. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Huh? yeah. So, uh, and that final meeting that you had, really, that kind of turned you away. Did everybody turn on you, or were there some people who were kind of? Yeah, one up? guy. The the big question that came up is this guy was trying to explain to me how if his wife were raped, she would be less virtuous. And I said, oh. would you consider her less virtuous? And she's, he said, no, I wouldn't, but I know that she would. And I said, yeah, because mm-hmm. a bunch of us guys like yeah. this sit around in a room and, and, you know, comply with the stupid, I mean, I really went, I, I, it wasn't pretty. Wow. The right. stupid ideas of some, guy, some old guys sitting in, a, in an ivory tower in Salt Lake City. And, and that he would personalize it like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was horrible. His own wife. It was absolutely. And, you know, I had already been very troubled about how uh, Mormons just, you know, just don't think for themselves. They're so authority-bound. Um, I mean, the whole church right. is based on authority. The central mm-hmm. claim of the church is that the authority to do the saving, the saving ordinances of the church, baptism, marriage, that kind of thing, that authority was given back to Joseph Smith via the apostles, you know, Peter, James, and John, and, and John the Baptist and all that. So authority is everything to Mormons and right. their theology. And so if you, if you don't abide by the authority, you're, you're pretty much out. So they're very strict in their, you know, I mean, unless you're kind of on the fringes, you're, you're generally hip deep in that kind of authoritarian culture. Well, what do you think of this, Brian? I know you haven't listened to the second part of our uh, story it yet. It just came out today. It, it yeah, did, But did. I was yes. very excited. Totally it's already forgiven. downloaded and, re- and but, queued up, ready oh, to go. He, he already but promoted it. Yeah, it's the truth. I did on Facebook. When Ross and I had our conversation with our elders and with this uh, teacher, Anderson, who had been kind of hanging out with the elders and teaching us also, they made this big deal about how much they like my questions and how much they appreciate that I bit back more than Ross and that I really challenged them all the time. Right, and here we thought she was the bad cop, but yeah. I was the good cop. After Ross left, they were like, we're really glad you stayed because we need you in the church because you really fight our, you really fight us. Yeah. What do you think of that? It's just complete bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they say <laughs> I'm that. Telling, right? They'll say that. But you know, I've had I've had too many people go to them and and say, you know, when I when I started looking into this stuff, I mean, I didn't do it in a in a vacuum. I went to my leaders and said, hey, you know, what's the deal here? One guy told me I was thinking too much. Mm-hmm. Another a leader higher up in the church told me that I was evil and then he he, he jolted back and said no, you're not evil but you've been an evil spirit has taken you over uh, we got you know that. it's we that got, it's that, that kind of education too it's yeah. that kind of thing yeah you cannot disagree with them and not 
be ultimately under the influence of the evil one. Right. I remember pointedly asking them that. I said, you know, in the Mormon church, they don't blame the devil for everything that goes wrong, do they? And they're like, oh, no, no, of course not. We realize that there are real facts. We blame you, <laughs> Ross, personally. And they did tell us before we got baptized that the, the devil would be on our trail Yes. Tempting us and giving yes. us doubts. Right. Which seems like right before you make any major decision. <laughs> and of you have course doubts. they would say that. Yeah. Isn't right, that right. just the beauty of the supernatural world is you can yeah. always blame, you know, something on the devil. You know, right. early early one of my favorite things about early Christianity is people you know, one of the criticisms of early Christianity is that they you know, everybody was saying, This is not the first res dying resurrecting God man story we've heard. <laughs> right. You know, right. this is this tale has been going on for a thousand years. To which the early church fathers replied by calling it diabolical mimicry. Yes. They said they said right, that Satan right. knew what was going to happen, and so he mimicked it. stories that looked like it. So with the, when the real thing came along, you would think it was just another one of those right. silly stories. Right. Much like oh, Satan boy. hiding fossils. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's guy. the same kind of thing. He is. <laughs> she is. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we were trying to make the point to them that, yeah, that's a consistent way to look at the world, but there's another way. Yes. We, we were trying yes. to make that point. Yes. But it seems to get out of it, you have to have like some kind of you have to put some value higher than authority, higher than the church, like right. truth or right. women's rights right. or something. Right. And that can lead you right. out. Right. You know, the other, the other problem with that thinking, with that metaphysical kind of supernatural thinking, is that they never, ever turn the tables on it. Like I, I remember saying to a, a guy that I was debating on, on YouTube, he was telling me about the evidence for the resurrection. And I mm -hmm. said, so what, what does that get you? How do you know? Even then, okay, let's. I'm going to assume that everything you've said about the resurrection is absolutely true, that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. How do you know God did it? Mm. How do you know it wasn't Satan? Because mm. look at what happened afterwards. <laughs> That's some ugly stuff. I mean, he, he might have done it to create thousands of years of war and and famine and and no progress whatsoever how do you know how do you know once you entertain that there's something beyond that we don't understand it's pointless because you can't know anything about it and anybody who says anything about it is just as valid as anyone right. else because there's no way to test to find out whether you know this guy's telling the truth or someone else no standard how do you know you're not under satan's influence Ooh. We might be. Yeah. We're in her house. Can't rule it out. <laughs> okay. That's my best theremin so, I can do. So now that you've you've found <laughs> your way out, and uh, you know, logic and reason are sort of your master. Mm -hmm. Are there are there any beliefs you still hold that you would say uh, aren't grounded in logic and reason? Ultimately, I mean, obviously, I have a thing for blondes. <laughs> um, Damn it! I died. Right other here. than that, yeah. Um, More brunettes for me. Married two of them. I don't know. You know, to the extent that I that I am, I'm not consciously aware of it. And if I were, I'd be going, what the heck's going on with me there? I mean, I'm pretty much, you know, my, my belief system is very minimalistic now. That's the beauty of being a skeptic is you, you don't really, there's not a lot you have to believe. There's not a lot of baggage that comes with skepticism. You, you say, but it's always on the table. Everything's on the table. If we find out that I'm wrong about this, I can change my mind. Right. You can't do that in religion. Mm -hmm. There's no, oh, well, I could be wrong about this. No, that's, that's just not anywhere in the theology of any religion. You can't get people to go out for two years in their life if, if you're teaching them, you know, that there is a possibility that you're wrong. You're not going to be giving up the punani <laughs> for two years. Right. Forgive my French. Although, uh, on the basis of we could be wrong. So it has to be. at the end of my meeting with them, I did get them to list the things that would falsify their faith. Oh, really? And what did yes. they say? She pressed. What did hard. they say? 
Um, one of them said if I could show him that there wasn't good evidence of the uh, atonement. One said if I could show him that there were any lies in the Book of Mormon. And one said if he could, he find, could find something, something that gave him more, more peace. In the atonement one, you know, if he'd seen evidence that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you know, right. that's a tough standard because yeah. you're never going to get definitive proof of that. Right. If there if there was no town called Nazareth in Jesus' mm. day, does mm. that give you some trouble? He's called mm. Jesus of Nazareth right. and there's no town called Nazareth? That's a stumbling block mm -hmm. for me, but... Um, speaking of blondes, your wife is a believer, right? She is, yeah. What's She's a Lutheran. Like? And you're and you're not. I mean, you consider yourself an atheist. I'm an atheist. Okay. I'm a hardcore, want to change the world, get rid of religion altogether, atheist. So you guys what's seem to get that along. Like? Okay. We get along really well. Yeah. Um, no, we used to, you know we used to have uh, some blowouts over it. Um, we don't really anymore. We had kind of one big talk. She is she is a believer, but she's she's not by any means fundamentalist in mm. any way right. she's very liberal very um kind of she doesn't go to church a lot it's not it's not a governing force in her life mm -hmm. it's she was raised with it it still makes her feel good um the ideas about it and i don't have any problem with that but we did have a big blowout where we we were like it was it was okay what are we going to do with this mm -hmm. relationship kind of thing and i said here's my bottom line do you or do you not agree with me that the closer people follow these holy books the worse off the world is. Hmm. Okay. And she said, yes, I do agree with oh, that. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's not a, uh, as long as she can support me in that, and I said, well, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do uh, to the extent that I can is make people see that's the way it is. You know, that's, all, that's what I'm about, basically, is making everybody and people follow these holy books, the, world's, the worse the world becomes for everybody, and not just for them. It seems that your series doesn't really get too much anger out of the religious side it seems a lot of them actually embrace it and love it yeah we have a lot of religious i i tell people this all the time i would say about 40 percent of our audience based on my email is religious and we get a lot of pastors and rabbis who write in and they love the show because you know they're hip deep in it they get all the references that you know and, they, and someone's doing something about their thing and it's funny and whether they agree with it ultimately in the, in the end or not they appreciate it and they do it we had one uh I had one pastor write me in the spring saying, do you mind? We're going to be doing a whole, I want to do a whole Bible series this summer based on the Mr. Deity episodes. Nice. There are going to be like 12 courses awesome. based on episodes. Like, yeah, these are the people I, I dig. Because we, you know, we try, I, I try never to take a cheap shot. Hmm. If I'm hitting at you, there's, there's, I can justify it in every way. There's never a cheap shot in the show. Uh, that's my standard. And Jimbo and, and Amy kind of hold me to that. Hmm. So... Yeah, it's just it's just fun for them. If they're not, you know, the fundamentalists probably hate it, but they're not watching. <laughs> I'm still involved with the Presbyterian Church and mm -hmm. have good friends in the church, including the pastor. And he loves the show. I've sent him episodes. I think, right. oh, Paul will get a good chuckle out of that. Uh, you mentioned uh, the resurrection earlier, and I think you almost said erection. Once, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> once... <laughs> She it's always Freudian. picks up on that. What yeah. Can I say? Well, once he was praying, like on Resurrection Sunday or whatever, he said, "And we thank you for the power of Jesus's erection, <laughs> resurrection." <laughs> he, he said that awesome. quickly. Caught it, caught himself. And then my friend Michael walked up to him afterwards and said, "I love the part about Jesus's erection." <laughs> Paul's like, "Shut up." <laughs> Maybe it was an erection resurrection because it was early in the morning. He he'd just woken up. We all know so when guys are out there. there. Morning yeah. wood. That's when we're at our peak. Oh, goodness. No you're pun learn, intended. You're learning. Oh, pun is intended. <laughs> you're, you're learning things wood today. Wood and peak. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. 
I'm 28, Rock. All right, fine. Oh, yeah, that's right. You failed the chastity lesson. <laughs> Hold that thought. Let's have a word from our friend, podcaster, and origami master, Richard Saunders. This is Richard Saunders from Sydney, Australia, hoping you'll join me for the Skeptic Zone podcast. News and interviews from around the world. That's skepticzone.tv. Okay, and we're back with Brian Keith Dalton from Mr. Deity. So if, if a lot of your viewership is religious, yeah, um, and a lot of it isn't, does that mean that someone is missing the message, or does it mean that there's something for everybody in the no, show? No, I think they're, I think, you know, all religious people are not fundamentalist nuts who are going to hate everything mm-hmm. that's not, you know, that pokes fun at them. I think there are a lot of religious people all across the country, they don't get depressed because they're not, you know, it's not the man bite dogs, bites dog story. But they don't get a lot of press, and they're basically, you know, they're for the most part rational people who agree with us on, you know, on 75%, 90% maybe even. But there's that one little thing where they're just not quite in on the whole no God thing. Right. Do you ever go to church with your wife? I have, yeah. We've gone to, um, <clears throat> you know, my wife goes to a church, which we found, we found out later they're nuts. They're all completely nuts. We found out through... Uh, um, Lily's confirmation that they believe that the Earth is six thousand years old. Lily, your stepdaughter. My, my stepdaughter, yeah, and all of that. And, oh boy. Uh, what? Because um, Amy wasn't raised with that. Her parents were kind of shocked by it and everything. And they're hardcore. I mean, you walk into their house, and you're looking at pictures of Bush and Reagan and all that stuff. They were very right wing conservative okay. Lutherans, uh, Missouri Synod, all that. Um, so we kind of found out they were nuts. I knew they were nuts early on just because you're you more know, attuned because to that. I'm more attuned to that. And because um, during their Easter service, they had like a 55 year old woman dancing, doing interpretive dance in a, a very tight leotard <laughs> for Easter. That was uh, not Jesus would not approve. Was of it that. Helen Mirren? No, it, it was not. Okay. If it was oh. if it were Helen Mirren, I'd be on board. <laughs> This was nothing to look at. It was it was one of those things where nothing to look at, people here. Nothing. Look away. Move on. And then they do a puppet show with these big giant puppets um, about the resurrection. It's hysterical. And the, oh, the cool. opening, their opening on Easter Sunday, Sunday is one of the funniest things you've ever heard in on your life because it's this it's this uh, black Southern preacher. Basically, it sounds like you know in the red corner. Is Jesus, you know, and blah blah, and he is the blah, he is the king of this. He is a whole, you know, and in the and in the blue corner, you know, <laughs> Satan. It was just in, insane. I, the first time I went, I was like, this is hysterical. Having been to a Mormon service now, I'm sure you know Mormon services are extremely conservative oh, and yeah. very mild. And there's, you know, all you get is an organ and a piano, maybe. Yeah. Right. Sometimes they'll let you bring in a guitar. I I got special dispensation. Oh, I've never yeah. seen a Bare guitar. Bones. I got special dispensation uh, dispensation to play Jesus Joy of Man's Desire, oh, um, nice. in church. But yeah, they're so conservative, and this this was just killing me. I I actually had to leave the first time I went with her. I had to leave. <laughs> Because I was laughing so hard, <laughs> and then my stepson was was cracking up, was and then Amy was pissed at me a little bit, except for the fact that she was cracking up too. And, <laughs> you know, is this the dancing lady or all of it? Puppetry. The whole the whole thing. Well, I it's used to get all much. the puppetry and the flannel graphs. They really advance the art form. Yeah, the they really do. Flannel graphs. Come on. What? No, it's like this felt board, and they stick these little cut out, yeah. you know, felt characters to it, and they tell stories. 
Yeah. No idea. Whoa. It's I awesome. I can't even really. picture it. It's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to Google that. Um, Brian, I want to ask you a question from one of our listeners. Okay. So this is from listener David from Lodi. What has the response been from your family and friends who still practice the Mormon faith? Do you occasionally get secret fan mail from the church, and has your work generated any foremans? I don't know if my work has generated any foremans, but I get foremans coming up to me all the time now when I speak and going, hey, we're foremans too, you know, it's... Um, and it's a lot easier to become a foreman now because of the internet, you know, you mm. can find the information. It was hard when I was getting out, 91, 92, 93. Right. Tough to find, and you had to buy these really expensive books from these teeny publishers. You know, they were like $50. <laughs> it was crazy. With, you um, mean, with stories of people who had left? Instructions? Yeah, well, just, just basic information, just history, you know, oh, that right. kind of thing. Okay. Um, some of D. Michael Quinn's books. Um, I, my family handled it pretty well. My dad was the most upset of anyone, which is funny because he was a convert to the church and never really bought it. I always got the feeling uh, when I was growing up, my dad didn't buy it. Well, he was, he was always probably a skeptic. fighting the hardest then. Yeah. yeah. And he hmm. was, I think he was just pissed. Like, I didn't know you could leave. <laughs> right, what, what the right. hell are you doing? And sure enough, he became an atheist like three years after my mom died. Yeah, okay. And the way he did it was... It's a, it's really a clever clever way to 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 go at somebody. He read the Bible. He uh, just read the Bible. And takes. I came over to the house one day. He says, "Do you know what the hell is in this damn thing? It's sick. It's sick stuff." Mm. Yeah, I do, Dad. That's why I'm okay. That's not good. why why I'm not a fan. Right. So he's 93 now, and he's he's still uh, he's still out, and he's you know I I gave him all the you know the Dawkins and the Hitchens and all that stuff to read. He loves it, and then he and the missionaries still come to see him and mm. his and his bishop. And he gives them hell every time they oh, wow. come over. He's great. See, wow. he's, he's living yeah. proof because if he's there were awesome. a God, he would have struck him dead by now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe. Or, well, God works in Not only that, ways. but he's had major prostate cancer forever and then quit taking the drugs. And they said, you're going to be dead in six months. And he's still, he just, he's, he's nothing nothing damages him but so maybe maybe he's found the right way maybe god's using him as a test for everybody else you can always that's find true. a way around that's this. that's true that's a good point you see how their logic has seeped yeah. into her brain really? <laughs> really i've is. learned what was I the other question i don't get fan mail from the church no i did get i did get uh my brother-in-law out of it oh because uh my right. my wife left with me and then my brother-in-law who was like the black sheep of the family he didn't really want to have anything to do with religion. And then one day he tells me he's going on a mission. I'm like, what the? You know, oh, and right. uh, he said, well, I feel like I owe it to my family to give it a shot and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay. And he went away to, I think he went to Colombia or one of those. He was in South America somewhere. And he started getting all haughty, you know, with me while he was out sending me this, you know, well, here's why it's the true church. And, you know, really? sending me, writing me these letters. I, have, I, I, I wrote him, but I was kind of mild about it while he was out there. When he came back, I said, you really want to? You want to hear my side of it? Because if you do, I said it's going to rock your world. And he he was, you know, he had such great integrity. And he said, I don't want to live my life, you know, and find out when I'm 93 that I was living a lie. So mm -hmm. if whatever you've got, hit me with it. Nice. And I put together this thing. I got to show you that because I do have it upstairs now. It's this thick resource of stuff that I must. That I, you I sent had, him? Yeah, that I had been spending a, a lot of time working on myself anyway. And then he took it around to his people and the leaders started, you know, they basically told him, don't talk to your brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, what, you got no answers for me? And he was out. Probably mm. within six months Great. of that. He had the right attitude. Yeah. So he left voluntarily or he was kicked out for yeah, asking no, questions? Yeah, he, no, he just, he just said, forget you. Fresh out of his mission. Yeah. I don't know that he ever tenured his letter of resignation mm -hmm. like I did, mm -hmm. but uh, he's, he's not, he doesn't have anything to do with it. 
Now you've used the term. And he loves his beer now. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, You've used the term atheist, skeptic. Do you have any aversion to titles or kind of all of the above? I don't. Yeah, I'm kind of all above. I'm a secular humanist and a skeptic. And a and a secular humanism kind of talks more about my values. Right. Skepticism speaks more to my Approach. to my yeah to my methodology. Free thinker is just another. I mean, how can you not value free thought? And then atheist just is is regarding this one silly little thing that <laughs> right. I don't believe in, right. and it it doesn't define me in any way because it's just another thing I don't believe in, like fairies or right. Bigfoot. One of my favorite things is that whole notion of how of how how would the world be different if there weren't a god? I, I love that that idea. I can't imagine anything being different. Amputees still wouldn't grow back their limbs it after seems a like, prayer. It seems like uh, sometimes the implication is that nothing good could possibly happen. It, only the bad could be explainable in a world with no god. Right. Right. Did you have any history with any other like spiritualities or? Uh, yeah, I got I got really into Judaism. Oh, um, okay. When I was how old was I? It was 1988. I became good friends with Dennis Prager, who's a, a radio syndicated radio talk show host and a and a probably the most eloquent theist that I've ever heard. We became good friends, and then I moved in with him. I shared an office with him, and we worked oh. together for nearly two years. And during that time, I learned a lot about Judaism. Um, he always said he was, used to say, "You know, you know more than ninety-eight percent of all Jews on the planet about the religion." And and when I left Mormonism, I was still kind of like I wasn't quite an atheist. I was in a big G way because Mormonism, as you now know, doesn't have a big G God; it has a mm-hmm. small G God. So I kind of was without knowing it or without caring about it, I should say. Wait, Mormonism has a little G-God? Yeah. Yeah, Mormonism doesn't have a big G-God. There is no— Oh, I see what you're saying. It's ultimately why I think Mormon theology is just the most humongous failure because it doesn't answer the ultimate question of is there a God, a capital G. It -hmm. only has a small G-God because as— do they go into this anymore about how as God as God now is, or as yeah. man now oh, is, yeah. God no. once yeah. was? And, and they admit God, to the infinite regress of, you know, God yeah. had a God before yeah. him who had a God yeah. before him. Yeah. Where does it end? Mm-hmm. Right. But it doesn't answer the question of is there a, is there ultimately one, you know, God? Well, I think the answer would just be no, right? I just don't think they have an answer. I don't think they've thought it through to that hmm. extent. I don't think Joseph Smith was a very deep guy in that regard. I mean, he was brilliant, and he had some very interesting and... Uh, <laughs> crazy ideas, but I don't think he—I don't think he understood. You know, he wasn't—he wasn't uber religious uh, growing up. They, no one was back then. There was a lot of folk magic in the religion going on. You know, it wasn't like we—we we know religion today. So I, when I got out of Mormonism, I thought that I first of all I had a daughter. I had a three-year-old daughter, and I thought, oh, I can't—I got to give my daughter something, some hmm. kind of spiritual background. And certainly you can't raise a good kid without God and, you know, how they're going right. to tell right and wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. You were and still so, believing that at yeah, the Yeah, I was still buying on, into all, most of that stuff. So I started looking very seriously into Judaism. I went to uh, synagogue and I talked to rabbis and whatnot. And the big crux of it there for me, I like I like Judaism because they don't even care if you believe in God or not. It's right. all about right. doing the mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem for me was the ethnicity because growing up here in Southern California, that's very integrated. I didn't have neither of my parents, despite the fact that they were just, you know, they were the first generation born here. My mother's parents came from Germany. My father's came from Ireland. Had nothing to do with their own ethnicity. I don't know anything about being Irish mm-hmm. or German or anything mm-hmm. like that. 
So ethnicity was just not on the table. And in fact, I grew up kind of not liking ethnicity because it kind of it's something that just divided us. And right. I always liked. We're all Americans. And that was t- that was just tough to get over. Plus, I don't like matzo balls, so <laughs> that was that was difficult. And then I moved on to the Catholics because they have the best hats. And I tried to, I didn't, I don't know that I tried to convert to Catholicism, but I thought they have great schools. I can get in on this one. And I talked to a priest and he said, you know, if you don't buy it, we're not, we're not taking it basically. And I I couldn't tell him that I, that I bought their story. So they told me they would just want your money. Yeah. And then this is a great story. The way I found skepticism or realized that I was a skeptic was because I was still very right wing. When you leave Mormonism, you're, you're generally, you know, you're a Republican still. One thing at a time. And I was listening to Dr. Laura's show. Oh, boy. And this is before <laughs> she got Religion with a Vengeance. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know this, but she was on the board of Skeptic Magazine, Michael Shermer's. Yes. Ah, yes. Michael Shermer's publication. Yeah. And she had written an article on false memory syndrome. And I picked it up and I was reading it. And then I read the rest of the stuff and I was like, oh, my God, these are my people. These are my people. And I started going to Caltech, and then I became friends with Michael, and I designed the magazine, the last iteration, not this most recent one. But um, Well, thank you, yeah. Dr. Laura. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Laura, for uh, helping Good. me find my people. Nice. Let my people go. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And Michael, you mean Michael Shermer. Michael Shermer, yeah. The editor. Who is Head of the just magazine. the best. You know what's amazing to me? I, w- I was watching a video. I was doing some research the other day, and I'm watching this thing, and the guy says, Biblically speaking, this is blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, you know, we really need to start calling this what it is. These Bronze Age ignoramuses said blah. That's what it really comes down to when you're talking about 1 Corinthians and blah, blah, blah. These are this. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I don't, they're not stupid people. But in, in comparison to what we know about the world and the way it works now, they are complete ignoramuses. We would not listen to a thing they said about anything else. Take you got Jesus himself casting out demons. Yeah. yeah like, that was, that's what mental illness right. was really over half right. of his miracles. Which, which was a decent theory at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They weren't standing on the but shoulders But you know of what? Giants. If you're God Almighty, you should know better. So, I have a version of the, the that I wrote. We were going to do it at some point. It's another way of the mister thing that I want to do. It's a version of the Sermon on the Mount hmm. where he actually gives us all kinds of great useful stuff right. instead of blessed are these guys, blessed are those guys. Mm. Stuff know. the creator blessed of the universe thou, right now. Blessed are those who wash their hands before <laughs> meals and before preparing meals. You know, blessed. You can, there's so much simple stuff. Yeah. God Almighty say? could have told us if he were incarnate down here with us. But way of the mister, what's that? Way of the Mr. Well, it started with our Way of the Mr. newsletter, but it's something we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing a Way of the Mr. videos that are, they don't necessarily have anything to do with Mr. Deity. But they're just fun kind of things. Our first one coming up is going to be on reparative therapy, and you guys are both going to be in it. That'll be fun. And it's going to be done as a 60-minute style piece. Fine. So it, I don't want to give anything away because it's got a good twist to it. That's uh, what she said. Yeah. <laughs> to those yogis in India who wrap their penises up in the... Uh, twist them. Have you seen that? No. Yeah. Oh, oh I have. Oh, oh that was in uh, the nature of existence. Let's not do an investigation on that. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ross. There we go. You need to do one of those. <laughs> Let's see how much you can it's twist. It's similar your penis. to ear candling. <laughs> Let's table that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know, but Way of the Mister. It's a great joke on Way of the Master. Way of the Master. Have you yeah. met Ray Comfort? 
I haven't, but he handed me a he handed me a uh, one of his uh, oh, books, Origin the of Species. Origin of Species, with the forward. You I picked did, one up for me. Thank we you. were I was going into one of the Caltech lectures at mm-hmm. at um, at Caltech was, over there uh, with Shermer's group, Richard and they were Dawkins handing him out. Talk. And I'm kind of standing there, and this short little guy comes and walks up to me and goes, "Hey," and I took it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm and I'm thick, and I look around, uh-huh. and I'm. That was him. That was him. That yep. was Ray Comfort. Yep. Oh crap! He called me pretty. Oh, yeah. oh nice. nice. Ray Comfort. Yeah. Nice he asked accent. me. Yeah, he asked me to take a picture with him. But I was uh, the line was moving, and he like gave me his Origin of Species, and then he's like, "Take a picture with me." And I think no one was stopping to talk to him, and he's like, "Don't you want to take a picture, pretty lady?" And I was like, "I got. I have Richard Dawkins. <laughs> I got a." <laughs> Yeah. In any other situation, between you and Richard out. Dawkins, yeah. yeah, I was just talking to Thunderfoot when you guys came over. That's you exciting, were right? And I was asking. One of the things I asked him: So, what's Ray Comfort like in in real life? He's, he's the sweetest guy in the world. Overly sweet. And he's, just he's too nice. Very nice. Yeah. From what I hear, it's like he doesn't take himself too seriously, which doesn't shock me. Yeah. No, I th- I would love to have him on the show at some point. I think it would yeah, be great to have great. Mr. Oh, Beauty and, and Ray it. Comfort For on a sure. show. I don't know if he'd do it, but he seems like he'd be cool enough. To where he's, you know, he, he, that wouldn't be a big deal for him. It would be hard to come up with a banana joke that hasn't been done for that. Yeah. Well, we did almost every one of them <laughs> you could possibly do in season three. We had a lot of fun with that. So, so, so if you had to pick something that you're religious about now, what would it be? That I'm religious about? Mm-hmm. Well, I love, I mean, movies. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm probably, Good choice. that's probably the thing I'm most passionate about. I love I love film. I think, I think film is pretty much the Bible of our day. I mean, it's it's. I mean, the Bible is basically just great stories that tell us how we should live that were written poorly by Bronze Age ignoramuses. Movies today are kind of taking place, the t- taking the place of even even of great literature, which is a little sad. But um, I, obviously, I think people should read and get that experience. But movies are great at opening up these doors and and looking at issues and and whatnot. I just wish it, it wasn't such a you know, it's all about the money. So right. it's hard to get anything made that's truly brilliant anymore. And uh, even even brilliant, brilliant cinematically is tough. Uh, when you've got Transformers, <laughs> you know, making a billion dollars, it's, it's just frightening. So we got a few questions from the Mormons, or I shouldn't say questions, um, claims that I want to hear your one-sentence response to. Okay. Okay? I'm supposed to keep it to one sentence? You know me. Mm-hmm. Two sentences. All right. All right. Two sentences, but I don't want like a sentence with like six semicolons in it. Or profanity. <laughs> no profanity's fine. One sentence has to be funny and the other one serious and an iambic pentameter. <laughs> okay, I can do that. If possible. I'm skilled with the iambic. <laughs> um, all right, Joseph Smith was 14 when the Book of Mormon was translated, therefore it could not possibly be a forgery. Well, he wasn't 14. There's, there's no. Thank you. There's no one who who believes, who's read anything about it, that it was 14. 14 is supposedly when he had the first vision, but the Book of Mormon didn't come around till till much later. And the bigger problem ah, is... That's two. Oh, no, uh, I was going to point that out to them, but I just let them keep talking. They kept saying, like, right, right. I, I just can't believe that a 14-year-old would come up with this. I was like, he was 25 when it was published. Mm-hmm. Right. And he had source material. Uh, Ethan Smith's view of the Hebrews. Uh, what was I going to say, though? Uh... <laughs> Um, Joseph Smith predicted the Civil War. Oh, that one's a very that one's a very popular one. If you look into it, actually, 
what you would find out, because I had that one coming up at me all the time, what you what you what you find out is that during the time that he made that prophecy, it looked exactly like they were going to war, and it was going to start in where is it South South Carolina and yeah. everything. So it was not. It didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, it didn't come out of nowhere. It was like everything was pretty much there primed as he was making that prediction, and it was a it was not like forty years out. He saw this. He thought it was happening tomorrow. Hmm. Okay. In that stack of. Uh, Stuff that I gave my brother-in-law. That's one of the uh, that's one of the things that I take down. One of the great things that you can learn from Mormonism is that no matter how crazy a belief system is, you can still make a good argument for it. Yeah, of course, that's yeah. the internal consistency. And so, mm-hmm. arguments are not evidence, and what you really need is the actual evidence for things. Fair well, put. well, let me ask you guys one question. Can I get yeah. one question in? Yeah. What did they finally say? Did you go, did you ever give them the DNA evidence? And what did they say to that? Yeah, we did bring it up. We mentioned it. It, it was in sort of a long line of of things. I think they're. It seemed like they were trying to find an out by saying that that people group died off, and so that's why there's no genes left. Mm-hmm. And it's a different indigenous group that moved oh, in right. later. That's one of what I was getting. One of the things that I had heard years and years ago was that they were trying to go back to this. Oh well, it's a very it was a very small area and a very small group of people. It's not what the Book of Mormon says at all. I mean, right. they, they were in massive they were armies, massive armies, people dying in their wars in the millions, and the, you know the Book of Mormon itself, itself says they covered the land from the north, south to the east to the west. I love. There's a guy named John L. Sorensen who. Who you know when when he's trying to find he works for Farms, which is their hardcore apologetics place. You guys would get a kick out of that, by the way. Go look up Farms F A R M S dot org. I think is what it is. And you know, well, why aren't we finding these species that they had here? And there's all, there's all kinds of explanations how Joseph Smith, you know, by the power of God, mistranslated <clears throat> things like deer for peccary, or I can't remember what the you know pig for peccary, or uh, you know, there's all these mistranslations. A horse, it was a horse, but it was it was actually a deer. Which, by the way, how do you get that to pull a chariot? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, hey, if you stuff. can have unicorns in the King James Bible, that's true. That's why true. Not? Why not? Um, can I ask you the one question that we got asked the most, though? Yeah. Do you have um, special underwear? I don't anymore. I got rid you of mine. You didn't keep it? No, I got rid of mine. I wish it I, I kind of wish I would have kept it. Yeah. That, that would have been a fun uh, artifact to have. Now i got to go back in, get a temple recommend, <laughs> do all that stuff. You guys can you guys can grab me, snag me. Yeah, they actually offered me a special temple recommend, like, uh, even though I haven't been there a year because they could tell how strong my spirit was. Well, really? Now, you, now you've ruined it. You should go in and learn the magic handshake, or I can just teach you now. Oh, I can give okay. you the whole. Uh, I can give you the whole spiel. Okay, listeners, watch. He's going to show us. Yeah, there let's do it. Let's I'm see. Here's, describe here's it. one of okay, them. Okay, you're. This ho- is. You're holding. This is very the, sexual. This is. <laughs> I've seen that before. <laughs> this is. Okay. I think it's called the special. Wait, wait. The the true sign of the nail, because Mormons believe that Jesus was not only nailed here through the hand. Oh right, but, but here through, through the, the wrist, wrist, which makes a little so sense. So this goes through here, through here. Okay. And then there's a certain way you hold each other, knee to knee, uh, hand to back. This this is against the law of chastity. <laughs> yes, it is. And you say health in the navel, marrow in the bone. Uh, strength be upon me, upon my posterity throughout all generations of time and throughout all eternity and some other stuff. If bone and posterity and strength and that handshake are all in there. It's tough. Chastity is it's not tough. happening. Yeah, you get stressed out. I can now say I've held hands with Carrie Poppy. It's, it's very exciting. 
Well, that's it for our show. Be sure to check out MrDeity.com for more from Brian. And remember that you can subscribe to Oh No, Ross and Carrie through, through iTunes or OhNoPodcast.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook. Very many, many thanks to our guest, Brian Keith Dalton. And Brian, would you like the final word? Yes. Oh, there we go. Oh, Almost. Lovely. Woo! All right. Any any final thoughts? Um, be chased. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I failed already. <laughs> That's good. <laughs>